Hey everyone, it's Ronan. We're digging into the Boxes and Lines archives for today's episode, but I promise you this one's a good one. If you've ever wondered about the intricate tech and infrastructure that powers the stock market while most of us are still hitting the snooze button, this is the episode for you. Back in January of 2022, we sat down with Ramon or Ray Gonzalez, the head of technology operations for us here at IEX. Ray gave us a fascinating behind-the-scenes look at the daily checklist his team tackles, starting at the bright and early hour of 4 a.m., to ensure that the market runs like a well-oiled machine. We also delved deep into the world of bare metal infrastructure, data centers, and even pondered the future of exchanges in the cloud. Jeez, I need a break. In our chat, I asked Ray what it truly means to turn on an exchange every day. We also touched on topics of 24-7 and pre-market trading and the different rules and market-wide circuit breakers that govern them. And I'll admit that 24-7 trading sounds very stressful to me. I like my weekends. And if we ever do move to a round-the-clock trading schedule, I volunteer the one and only JR to work on Sundays, midnight, mornings, whenever I'm in bed. God bless him. So whether you're hearing this for the first time or revisiting it, Join us for the deep dive into the infrastructure that makes trading happen. Also, a reminder, at the end of the podcast, we're still conducting our listener survey, and we would implore you to please fill out the survey as there might be a gift for you if you do so. Thank you. Let's roll the tape. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines again. It's, just, it's, been, just, a while. it's been a while. We've had a little bit of a lull. We had a little bit of an end-of-year lull, but now mm-hmm. we're starting off mm-hmm. with a goodie here. We have our very own internal IEX employee, Ray Gonzalez, as a guest today. Welcome, Ray. Thanks. John really loves <laughs> Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Ray. Ray's title is System Reliability Engineer, and we're head of System Reliability Engineering, and we'll get into that in this podcast as to what the heck that means, but I think it's a good segue into um, I think the title on the website about. is actually Head of Market Operations, but, but that's I, okay. I, mean, whatever, I think yeah. the, the, the actual title right now is Head of Technology Operations. Oh, okay, really? there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Stop. Yeah. Raise title. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally cocked up Ray's title, but I really respect him as an employee here. <laughs> We're very happy to have him as a guest on the podcast. And the topic today is uh, something that I think you'll all be interested in because we talk a lot about we run an exchange and a lot of people don't even know what a stock exchange is. And when you think of stock exchange, you think of CNBC, when you see the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and people running around in funny coats. And for a long, 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 long time, none of that is really what a stock exchange is. And now today in 2022, you have 16 stock exchanges, names like Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, New York, and of course, IEX. All of those exchanges are in New Jersey. And all of those exchanges are in four buildings in New Jersey. And it's just basically server farms, piles and piles of computers. So long story short, (laughs) <laughs> this is all around technology. So Ray, whatever his title is, is actually very important here because we are a technological company. And and John had a very good quote. John, you want to tell us the, the quote? Thank you. Heard? you. Yes, yeah. I was waiting for you to segue into that. There was a. I was thinking, is there a question at the end of that? There's a long glide path into that question there. But uh, I just noticed, um, apropos of the topic, uh, the D.C. Uh, Circuit Federal Circuit Court recently came out with a decision in the in a in a, deci- in a case involving. Um, uh, New York Stock Exchange wireless technology. The question was that the, the, an icy challenge was whether the SEC had authority over that. Um, and they, the 
ended up losing the SEC one. I bring that not uh, bring that up not to gloat. Um, you know, it's bad karma, but just because I thought it was appropriate, the decision um, early on um, makes the point that uh, this is a quote: "The once iconic trading floor has gone the way of the nickel beer." Um, so, it might be a little interesting um, to hear from you, Ray, on kind of like how. Um, your, your perspectives on what it means to, to be an exchange and to work for an exchange now and uh, how the world has changed. Sure. Yeah. Um, with the work that, that we have uh, with regard to being an exchange, uh, it's very much the same kind of work that you would have to do at any large technological company, specifically something like one of the large cloud providers, like a GCP from Google or Azure from Microsoft, something like that. You know, you have to have uh, top of the line gear. You need to have obviously top of the line talent in order to service that gear. To be honest, some of the stuff that we specifically have to do with regard to the hardware is almost, uh, you know, go in the way of uh, becoming like an art because there's not a lot of organizations that, that deal with uh, bare metal or data centers anymore. It's just the cloud operators and everybody just runs uh, on somebody else's uh, infrastructure. In the exchange space, everybody still operates pretty much 100% of the infrastructure that the trading systems run on. And you know, the, there's reasons for that. You have to do some specific things like use a particular protocol that needs a GPS antenna on top of a building in order to get time down to a server. Um, in other spaces of technology, you're talking, you know, response times of websites in milliseconds, maybe. For us, you know, obviously, micros yeah, look, and nanos matter. Any kind of trading platform, to Ray's point, it re- requires a lot of technology. And when Ray is talking about the cloud, a lot of people have outsourced their technology to the cloud. But as an exchange, we literally have to have physical boxes, physical servers. And a lot of them. And I, and I remember when we were raising money to start this company, at the start we started as something called an ATS, also known as a dark pool, bad marketing name. But in any case, it's kind of like a baby exchange. And I remember when we'd go to investors and say how much money we needed just to even get going. We were kind of explaining, look, and again, this was 2012, so it was closer to the foundation of Facebook. But Facebook started off as two servers in a closet in a, in a dorm room. Uh, when you build a trading venue, you got to start with millions and millions of dollars worth of servers. It's sort of like an, an ante to the game. And we can talk through some of that, but uh, I remember uh, Ray was a very early employee here. And I remember back in the day, we, we used to use servers that you could you would buy servers, like off-the-shelf servers. Like I think we were using Dell and HP and all kinds of stuff. We, we, uh-huh. were, we were buying servers a dime on the dollar from firms going out of business at the time. But now if you fast forward 10 years later, we're literally building our own servers, choosing what components we need in these servers, and it all gets down to the the speed game and the determinism game, and and we can talk about that today too. I thought it'd be an interesting thing for listeners to hear on, you know, what's kind of the timescale of turning on an exchange on a daily basis. Maybe we can kind of go through what do we do each and every day so that when the market opens at nine thirty, everything's running smooth. What do we do at the end of the day? And we rinse and repeat every day. And then we can kind of talk about within there why speed matters, determinism, and why you can't run an exchange today on the cloud. But there's a lot of press recently about exchanges uh, doing certain things with the clouds. And perhaps we can, we can potentially, potentially touch on that too. What does that mean? 
and where are we going in that regard? But and, and if you'd like, Ray, you can choose any of those. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> there's, you a lot, there's a lot there. Sure. sure. Any piece I'm, of that you can. Do I'm going to go get a coffee now, Ray. So start us <laughs> at 4 a.m. The clock rings. The alarm bell rings. <laughs> sure. No, but the U.S. US equities. Begins at 4 a.m. Maybe not you, Ray, but if you could kind of talk us through the timeline there, that'd be really interesting, I think, to, to yeah. listeners. Yeah, 4 is the earliest. Uh, and to John really, Ramsey. <laughs> you, you could really start to trade. There's just a few that'll that'll start except pre-market trading at that time. Um, but because of that, we have to have portions of our system start up, particularly uh, the, the tickers for our, our market data plant, because we have to consume all that information so we know what's actually going on in the market. Why, Ray, do you know uh, doesn't exchange? Because, again, for those of you listening who are not working in the markets, the market is technically open from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., but yeah, then there's pre-market hours. and post-market hours. Why do you think they open at 4 a.m.? What's the benefit of opening so early? Uh, there's, there's a lot of times, uh, specific times, that folks want to kind of get first in line to queue up an order for. And, you know, no matter what, they want to be there first. So if you say it's three o'clock, certain firms are going to be like, okay, we're changing to get in at three o'clock. We need to just be first in line no matter what. So the earlier, the better for us. Sometimes folks don't have the ability technologically to support that. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, starving other people out. It's, it's kind of like uh, back in the old days, John was talking about nickel beers, but like when you'd, you'd line up for concerts and first in, first serve. And yeah. when you're trading, uh, there's something in U.S. equities called price time priority. And that just means price being equal, the person who was in first in time goes first. So if, if market centers open at 4 a.m., and you get in at 4 a.m. on the nose, your competitor gets in at 4 a.m. and 10 seconds, and price is equal, you're ahead of the queue. So that's that's really the reason why people want to get in the queue as early as possible. And that's also why I assume why it really matters to people that you are time stamping their orders as accurately as possible because if you get, uh, you know, you get the trade if you get there first, so it matters if you actually get there even a, a microsecond before somebody Brilliant else. stuff, considering he but, just had four nickel beers. The guy's just spent 20 cents. <laughs> and, I am not drinking on the job. I don't drink on the job. And I resent the implication running. It's please. after 4 p.m. I, I was going to say, after, after market hours, I think you're good. So <laughs> if you wanted to. So sorry to interrupt you, Ray. You mentioned some market centers open at four, and then yeah. what do those that don't? They open up at some point between four and nine thirty. And nine thirty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, some uh, open right at um, like for us, we 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 open for pre market trading at eight. Some are seven, but yeah, they're all over the place after that. Um, it really matters, like you know, four nine thirty. Even when they open, you know, it's not just at that moment they want to get in. They're getting their orders in at that moment for the close. So at 4 a.m., I'm sending in orders to ex- execute at 4 p.m. Our particular system, uh, we have, you know, from 4 a.m. to 8 o'clock to kind of prepare everything for our trading venue to operate correctly. Yeah, and I'm interested to get your thoughts because uh, it seems like markets have gradually been extending um, uh, the period of time that they're open um, over mm-hmm. a period of time. Um, and now you have, but there are limits based on our existing kind of clearance and settlement system, et cetera, as to kind of like, but, but you know, you have people kind of in the crypto sphere talking about setting up exchanges that are essentially operating 24-7. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Even assuming that was practical, would that be a good idea? Yeah, with the current, you know, as you know, with clearing and everything, but with the current state of a lot of the infrastructure, 
you know, 24 by 7 operation is almost a non-starter for a lot a lot of the ways the system works. The the interesting part about uh, something like our our particular space with the exchanges is it's very difficult for one entity to kind of just do something on their own. It's very much an ecosystem where they all have to work together. So one exchange, whether or not uh, you know, so to say, trade uh, clearing was not a factor. It it would almost it would be pretty difficult for them to just say we're now operating twenty four seven. Right, because all trading and like all of the so-called NMS stocks is fluid between exchanges. So if something one exchange goes down, you can automatically go to another one. So it it sort of assumes that the system is integrated enough that people don't have to can, uh, just uh, cho- choose their hours. There's there's also a lot of the uh, yeah, pieces of the the equity system to get is also like highly built for like the 930 to 4 because we have a lot of different rules and regulations whether it be circuit breakers or things like that and they don't even apply until what we call market hours yeah, so there's exactly. a lot built gonna, into this time frame that we have right now yeah, i was going to say like obviously the vast majority of trading occurs monday through friday 930 to 4 p.m. and there's a complete different rule set as to how you can trade the what what the national best bid and offer is definitionally market wide circuit breakers. So so the twenty four by seven. I understand that's what they're doing in the crypto space. I'm not a crypto investor by any means, but I bought a few tokens and I find myself checking my balance at three p.m. on a Saturday and again on a Sunday morning, <laughs> and it, it's freaking stressful. So I hope uh, our markets never go to a seven day week. Yeah. Yeah, but I volunteer John to work Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> no, no, I'm not volunteering for that. That would be a bad, bad idea. Twenty four seven, Ramsey. Come on. No, no, and it wouldn't be fair to Ray either. But, but Ray, I have to. We'll say, give you a spot on the SRE team. Don't worry. Yeah, thank, thank yeah. you. Well, I have to say, it is. I mean, for sure, there's a lot of things that potentially could uh, go wrong. And I have to say, from a personal perspective, you always seem so uh, well balanced and so chill. And uh, you know, it seems like stuff. But, you know, I don't know if you're on any kind of medication that sort of keeps you leveled out or what the deal is. We're not, we're not, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to delve into that. But are there, uh, I, obviously there are a lot of things that keep you up at night. What, what oh, yeah. are the kinds of things that you worry about the most? Sure, sure. Um, well, first, appreciate that. Um, it's, we try to be as, as calm as possible. We, we usually find uh, that helps the most when, when uh, you know, shit's hitting the fan. Um, but you know, for what kind of concerns me is probably, well, it's a lot of things, but a lot of things that are outside of our control. Uh, so, uh, concerns of like, you know, what could happen to, like we mentioned before, GPS satellites, there's not a lot to protect those. What could happen to GPS satellites? What happens if my time is bad? You know, what happens if there is some other venue, uh, an exchange or, or member firm that has an issue, uh, that's kind of critical to my operation. The things that that we can control, we've done a lot of work here to have, you know, a lot of robustness and redundancy there. So, you know, like if I lose a rack of servers or if power goes out, those are not like those are not uh, deal breakers for us operating. But the external parts are are the things outside of our control, which, you know, it's tough. But uh, that's probably what keeps me the most concerned. Yeah, I mean, look, I've seen the data center from the time we had a half a cabinet to now the full deployment of the data centers in exchange and the redundancies that these guys have built in there. The thing looks like a, a piece of art. I mean, I think Ray can attest to when we were getting things ready for our demo environment for FINRA uh, to become a broker dealer, then to become the ATS. Uh, 
Ramsey, you would have you would have died laughing. Like we 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 had ten <laughs> feet of cable to connect uh, servers that were sitting six inches away from one another, and we were just we just we just had to get it done with, with what we had. And I, I mean, funny story uh, as I was thinking about this podcast is I used to go out to the data center to help the guys, and they conned me into thinking that it made the most sense for Ronan to stuff his hands into the cabinet to hold the cables <laughs> in, so they could shut the door and not close on the cables. And they told me it's because I had the skinniest hands. Now, I have the skinniest <laughs> bent fucking bruised hands of any man on Wall Street <laughs> after closing many of those cabinets. But it's, it's, it's phenomenal to see what's in place today. I guess I, guess I want to ask a, a question of questions because I, I think it'd be really interesting for the listeners to hear, like, what does it mean to turn on an exchange, right? So you come in, we've talked about other exchanges open at different times, but when we turn on our exchange, what, what, what does that mean? What type of roles you know, perform that action? And does it differ on a daily basis? Is it a matter of just running a run book? But can you, can you just talk us through what it means to turn on exchange? Sure. So uh, we very much adhere to uh, like a, a checklist mentality. Uh, we kind of try to equate the, the startup and shutdown of our exchange, similar to like a takeoff and landing of a plane. Um, those times are the most stressful because you got to get all those things right in order for the, the flight to operate smoothly. But once you get those done, you're kind of a, in, in a pretty good spot for uh, clear sailing. Uh, but for us, uh, it's the, the clear sailing while flying. That is, <laughs> yeah, clear flying. Clear flying. <laughs> mixing mixing our metaphors a bit here, but yes, please go ahead. Keep going, Ray. You're, you shouldn't heckle the guests, John. <laughs> the critical, the You're right. Just you. I'm just heckling. Please. The, the, the most critical team there is uh, that the system reliability engineering team. So those folks do the actual startup. Um, so they are getting all kinds of uh, reports, alerts and different uh, checks to, that they're going through in order to make sure things like our time, that our servers are operating normally, that the application deployments that happened overnight are correct, um, and that we have what we call our reference data, kind of the, the configuration and lifeblood of our system is in the state that we expect it to be. Um, and then actually when we start up our exchange, like when we power up the applications, they have no idea what they're doing. So we have, you know, like a matching engine, and it doesn't know. It doesn't know that that Spy or Apple is or, or employees. They they they, they know what, <laughs> what they're doing, right? Just like yeah. Yes, they do. They just do. wanted to clarify that. That's like yeah, a yeah. pilot gets on. Uh, like you'd have a <laughs> next flight. We should land at five twenty-five. Of course, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Engage. But but, but yeah, it's, think about it like that. Like a, a pilot gets on the plane. He's like, I don't know where I'm going. I just know I'm a pilot. Like, where, where are we going today? So our, our system is just ready. It could be trading crypto for all it knows. It has no idea. And then once the SRE team deems that everything is in like a good operational order, they kind of unleash this uh, floodgate of this reference data to propagate into our system. And at that point, our system becomes alive. Like it knows that it has certain stocks or trading on certain matching engines. That's when like client gateways where order entry can happen. That's where IP addresses actually get deployed to a machine and then they're binding to a socket to listen for, for incoming messages. That's when our, our market data feeds start disseminating any kind of information. But before that, it's just kind of uh, almost dormant code. So to go through all that step, all those steps, you got to start pretty early in the morning too, right? It's kind of like all yeah, the steps yeah. that a plane has to go through before it kind of it like gets off, ready yeah. to actually. So if the if the servers don't necessarily know their purpose, uh, the beginning of the next day, obviously something happened at the end of the previous day. Yep. Like we we must. Fl- I'm probably using the wrong terminology technically here, but we we flush the servers of their knowledge of what kind their of, job yeah. is to do. 
And yeah. then the yeah. next day, we, we tell them, and it might be a different server is doing a different thing on a different day. Is, is that correct? And yeah. wh- why, why do that then? Not just keep the servers going on, you know, I am server A, I trade symbol A, Apple trades on server A every day. What's the yep. benefit of moving that around? So uh, we take the approach of we try to have like kind of a immutable infrastructure. Having that kind of set up with this homogenous deployment of servers available to you gives you a lot of flexibility when it comes to uh, needing to make a change, whether it be for redundancy or or like a capacity purpose. So we might, uh, you know, have a few symbols trading on a matching engine. We find that uh, this is not optimal because there's a lot of uh, volume happening. We want to spread that out more. Um, if we don't have everything as uniform and able to float around as needed, um, then we have a lot of work to do overnight, like maybe even physically racking some new servers or something like that. That's interesting. So like, I'm, I'm going back at almost exactly a year or two, like uh, GameStop in January 2021, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a particular symbol is trailing, uh, trading very different to what it would normally do. Does the fact that we have this flexibility on how we roll out the market every day, is, is that an example of where yeah. this design helps? Yep. Yeah. It, so we do kind of a look back for those reasons, and we'll try to load balance as best as we could. But also, it allows us for like elasticity for other applications that have to deal with like the downstream impact of a like a symbol, uh, you know, having a crazy amount of volume. Gotcha. So systems on, and obviously well before eight because we start trading yes. at eight. Yeah. Eight a.m. comes and it's all systems go. It's just that we're trading outside of market hours, mm-hmm. underneath those rules. And it's not really till nine thirty that everything kicks in. But is there? Yep. I guess my question to you is genuine question. I should probably know this. But is there <laughs> anything that changes other than the implementation of those regulations between nine thirty and four? Then what we roll out at eight a.m. Correct. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing's different there. Part of the information we disseminate into our system is what we call events, and we just have an event that fires off at a particular time that signifies to the other system pieces of the system that you know now we're within market hours, so some like a limit up, limit down is now applicable or something like that. But you don't for for all of the large kind of exchange listed stocks um, in the until the listing exchange is actually open for trading. You're not going to have sort of a threshold level of liquidity and trading in those symbols that ever. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be fairly over. muted until that point. Yeah, it's, it's it. definitely less. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ray, I wanted to ask you too about one other a- aspect of of your job, um, mm-hmm. which is. One of the things that's become clear over the last couple of years is that it is possible to run an exchange completely remotely, which of course is pretty much what we have mostly been doing. And you know, and thank God uh, that you know we weren't stuck in this uh, pandemic uh, situation twenty years ago, or even like you know ten or fifteen years ago from that perspective. So the markets have been very successful at doing that. I'm just curious to get a sense from you from a personal um, standpoint. You still obviously interact with all of your colleagues on a regular basis, you know, um, ongoing, constant throughout the day. Is there much a difference uh, to you from a personal standpoint of just kind of the the experience or do you miss uh, more time in the office? Uh, What's it been like for you? Yeah, um, uh, personally, I, I probably miss some time in the office. Uh, I mean, you know, our office is really awesome. Um, but to be honest, we got to remember that, you know, 
these are myself included. We're a bunch of nerds. We were already like <laughs> chatting to each other when whenever we were sitting next to each other. So, so we were well versed with using a lot of the tools that everyone is is you know uh, getting a lot better at. Um, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that different for us. Like, hey, just don't come here today, okay? Like, I'm still gonna type to you every day. <laughs> I was doing that before. So it wasn't a huge paradigm shift, but there was definitely an aspect that uh, like someone like me. Uh, I would miss from the office. Uh, but like I said, it's a little bit unfair for us because our office is pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember, John, do you remember at the beginning of uh, COVID when, when when people first left their offices, probably around the first week of March is when it really kind of, in New York anyway, uh, went full bore. And I remember we started using Zoom right away and we, we embraced it very quickly. But I can remember we had some remote workers about a month prior would say, you want to get on a Zoom one-on-one? I'd say, get the fuck out of here. Where am I going to look at you on a video conference? Are you out of your mind? Like, and, and, and now it's just become just you know so second nature. But yeah, Ray is exactly right. And I see you in the office quite often, Ray. And JR and I are in like a few days a week. Our office is amazing. And I, I do enjoy being, being around people. But yes, you, you guys had everything set up and uh, tried, true and tested for like a long time before any of this happened. So... Thank God! Thank God we got people like you on the wall. Thank God <laughs> yeah, we, we have, we, and, we I'm, have. I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've missed having lots of more FaceTime with Ronan. Not, um, <laughs> no, but um, it, we'll, it's, we'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> so not funny, John. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it, not it was, in a while. That was good. <laughs> it, it was nice to to you know be in the office, right? Because we have a bunch of tabs and stuff. We have a really nice uh, setup, so you know, folks definitely like to come in, but. Um, once we got really, really in, just kind of not coming in, people might like the, the amount of time they get back more. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, the flexibility is great. But what, when, when Ray talks about taps, these are not network taps. These are beer oh, taps. No. We, we, yeah. we, we, have, um, <laughs> we have several kegs in our office, which is a lovely contribution, I think. We, we wait until oh, sure. after the trading day is, is completely No one can touch him. We have rules, yeah. No one can touch them till yeah. 4 p.m. Um, so we touched upon it uh, early in the conversation around exchanges in the cloud. And let's keep it as less wonky as possible because <laughs> there's a lot of conversation about, you know, there's, there's been press around NASDAQ and CME around mm-hmm. doing things in the cloud. And um, I guess I'd want to talk through why we wouldn't look to deploy something into the cloud right now. And by, and by that, I mean something meaning our production trading system. Of course, you can put different aspects of the business into the cloud, and I think that's what other exchanges are doing. But like as we've been talking about here, we have hundreds of servers, it's physical, uh, cabinets, space, cabling, everything that we have to manage, whereas if you use the cloud, cloud basically you're paying to use other people's compute. When you Mm -hmm. want to power it up, you can use their compute. When you want to power it down, you you use less compute. But why is that problematic to a production trading environment, and I'm not cutting you off if I jump in and explain things in a in, in an English fashion at some points, Ray. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so right now, with the existing capabilities uh, for most, if not all, the publicly available clouds, uh, there's there's some pretty core functionality that all the exchanges use, uh, particularly for market data and things like that. Um, that's just not available there. Uh, so, since that being uh, widely available and uh, let's call it production ready, uh, nobody's going to be moving like a matching engine into a cloud. Uh, like you mentioned, there's tons of other workloads that could absolutely go there. Uh, usually, a lot of uh, intense 
data crunching. Nobody wants to build a supercomputer in their database uh, in their data center. It's very expensive. You might as well ship some data to somebody's cloud, use all their compute, and then get rid of it. That's usually a common kind of practice. But also similar to what we said earlier that, you know, the exchanges are all this like ecosystem. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm super bullish about trying to do something there because I have the view of like, you know, we're not a data center company, so there's no need for us to be really good at that. <laughs> um, if we want to be, different story. But, uh, you know, we might as well take advantage of, of our strengths and we could do that in someone else's data center. But yeah. kind of everybody would have to go. I, th- I think a, a key thing, um, it's not just speed, right? So when you talk about trading and latency, mm-hmm. the fastest you can trade, obviously the, the kind of numbers that we talk about are just bonkers in, in real human time, right? We're talking millions of a second, et cetera. But it's not just the speed um, that, a, that, that the cloud can't provide. It's, it's something called determinism. And determinism just means that you want the experience to always be the same. You, you can't be trading on an exchange and usually you send an order to an exchange and your acknowledgement comes in X microseconds. And then all of a sudden it starts coming in Y microseconds or seconds. Or it, no, one, no one can like manage their trading applications to that. And I think that's the real very reason why things haven't gone there yet. But I, I, I think that's it. And another reason maybe is just um, in terms of the core trading technology, the extent of the degree of control that you ultimately need to have over that technology. That is, you can't contract out in any significant way your responsibility as an exchange to make sure that trades get matched on, you know, in the way that they're supposed to, right? So you you, you can't like just ship it off and uh, be confident that somebody else is going gonna, is gonna to do that. Yeah, and what you mentioned before, Ronan, we, we refer to that as like a, like jitter. Um, none of the systems, whether it be like a broker system or an exchange system, none of them are okay with jitter. Uh, it's very, very uh, painful to try to deal with that. They just want the same experience on each yeah. venue that they're used to constantly. Yes. Yeah, because if if it, if people if the systems are understood to have a certain profile, that can be worked with. But if it's kind of like uh, you know all over the place, it's almost too dangerous to to mess with it. Yeah. So so things like every exchange does is something called QA, quality assurance, and basically that just means testing things. So if you're going to implement a change, a new order type, you run you want to run it through like a, a rigmarole of test cases to ensure that when this thing is live in production, if X, Y, and Z happen at the same time, what happens to the exchange? That's something you can do outside of the production environment in cloud. Yep, yeah. Yeah, you could absolutely run a, a QA system in a cloud. You could run any kind of uh, you know, testing systems. Basically, anything but your production trading system will probably work great, depending on the inputs and outputs you're going to need. But the path is, is slowly starting to show up, uh, in my view, there. Um, similar to some of the other efforts that the exchanges have been talking about, um, like a multi-SIP kind of thing. Like These are not things that one entity can just go do. But if they all get together and agree, it almost certainly could happen. Cool. So back to the exchange uh, and the timing. 4 p.m. hits, bing, 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 closing bell rings. And we leave our market open for something called you know, post-market trading. Uh, when, when do we actually close our market? Why, why do we pick that time? Do others stay open later? And then what yeah. happens? Yeah, we, we end at five. There's a, a bunch of other markets and six, seven. I think actually maybe NASDAQ goes even to 8 p.m. trading. Uh, but I believe that's the last one. Uh, so 
we shut ours down. We didn't see any value going past five. Uh, we keep the system on slightly longer than that, um, just for anyone that is connected to rewind any messages that they have missed. Cer certain folks might have restarted something just to kind of button everything up. And then around 5.15 is the last message our system will send out. And that message is a, a stop message that goes out to all of our applications to basically tell them, you know, we're out of here. Go kill everything and, and shut it off. Um, and then we use the rest of that time, probably till about 6 o'clock, uh, to take, take down our applications and deploy any changes. Cool. So uh, my, my hot take for the day is a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Ray grew up in the shadow. He grew up in East Rutherford in the shadow of Giant Stadium, now <laughs> called MetLife Stadium. I guess yep. the Jets play there too, but the New York Giants yeah. play there. And One Ray, of the many yeah. reasons that I like Ray is he's wearing a Dallas Cowboys yeah. and uh, and sweatshirt. He's a, he's a Cowboys <laughs> fan. Like, how, yeah. how, how is it possible to grow up in, in that locality and uh, walk with your shoulders back and wear Cowboys gear? It's uh, it was tough. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I didn't even like football. Um, I didn't like football till like I was played in high. So I actually missed all the times the Cowboys were actually good. I mean, they've been bad for a long time. So <laughs> good, you deserve uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I um, I was watching a Giants game with some family members, and I saw that logo from your cup. I saw that NY. And I asked them, uh -huh. what, why, why does it say NY? <laughs> I could see the stadium, like it's right outside the house. And they're like, oh, it says uh, it's New York. But like, they're from New Jersey, though. Uh, they yeah. told me, yeah, but they're New York Giants. So I was like, well, which team do they hate the most? And from that point on, I've just been a fan. There you go. <laughs> so that's enough reason for me. I'm a Cowboys yeah. fan from way back, too. And, and just the fact, oh, that it calls, the fact that it calls Ronan is just makes it all the sweeter. So Yeah. Well, Lately, yeah, it's, you're been, both it's idiots. been pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest. No, no offense, man, but you're both idiots. <laughs> no, no, none taken. I'm glad, Ray, we have you on the wall uh, managing the technology of our exchange. But you're a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, yeah, as a Cowboys fan, I, 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 I think take that shit too. all day long, every day, Ray. Don't worry Stop, about it. Stop. Don't edit that yeah <laughs> what else do we got today well i don't know i mean it's like i we could offer him some socks it doesn't feel like that i mean i i, I we shouldn't make an exception just because ray works for the company doesn't mean he shouldn't get whatever yeah ray no one, one leaves here with nothing. no one leaves here with nothing and john is going to present you with virtually <laughs> virtually your own pair of soft warm cozy ix socks dun, dun, yes. dun, dun. but i have to tell you and I've said this several times, a lot of these vendor socks that you get as tchotchkes at conferences, they're yep. absolutely terrible. Our socks, no offense, all other vendors except IEX, but our socks are excellent. They're actually very wearable. I think you call them breathable socks. So <laughs> I want you to enjoy them, Ray. You probably have 10 pairs, but anyway. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have a few. My, my, wife, my wife has a pair. She was actually uh, the most excited about this. I'm wearing my <laughs> colorful ones, see? Oh, there you go. That's our yeah. very yes. God, I think I, I, I tore a muscle there trying to yeah. show my feet to the screen. <laughs> <laughs> this is my when, last episode of Boxes and Lines. <laughs> when I was uh, reading the email, I was like, oh, this is really cool. They they think that we might be able to do an episode of Boxes and Lines. Like, my wife stopped. She Like, I've, I've read emails out loud to her to see if I'm, like, an idiot or not. And then mm -hmm. she stopped looking. Are you serious? I'm like, 
Yeah, this is the work podcast. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're yeah. famous in the eyes of your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was like super excited. What is going to go on? I'm like, I, I don't know, for like weeks maybe? Who knows? <laughs> well, listen, we, we appreciate you getting on. Obviously, more importantly, we appreciate all the work that you do here and keep everything functioning and going. Absolutely. And, you can and besides you the worry cowboys. about the things that Ronan and I don't have to worry about. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's, it's pretty, it, pretty easy with the, with the team that we got. Yeah, there, there is an excellent team, but uh, much appreciated, Ray. Maybe we'll have you back on uh, to analyze your fucking cowboy fan. That was me. You really, <laughs> you really got to him. I just, okay. no, I mean, well, he's, yeah. he's, he's gotten to me since he started here. Uh, <laughs> the man wears more red sneakers than anyone I've ever met, and cowboys. <laughs> All we right, could, this is going to be hard. We need, we need a segue to, we need yes, a segue? to wrap it up. We need to wrap it up now. Thank you okay. so much for being on, Ray. And uh, we had a great time, and we hope to have you back again. Ray, you turn off the Sounds market good. every day. Can you please turn off the podcast? <laughs> Can you please uh, turn off? <laughs> Box and lines, over and out. God bless over you, Over and out. <laughs> Cheers, Ray. Are you a diehard boxer or liner, or just a fair weather fan? No judgments. I know how annoying JR's Irish accent can be. Either way, we want to hear from you on our new Boxes and Lines listener survey to find out what you think about the show, give input on future episodes, guests, and more. We'll take it back to our survey counter thingy machine and consider all of your inputs as we plan our 2024 season. You can find the survey at iex.getfeedback.com slash boxesandlines. And don't worry, there's something in it for you. That's my drum roll. JR could probably do it better. You get a pair of socks. That's right. Take the survey. We'll send you a pair of our coveted box and line socks while supplies last in a new limited edition print. How's that for listener appreciation? So take the survey, tell us what you think, and thanks for listening. Again, that's iex.getfeedback.com slash boxes and lines over and out.